1: and a lot No, 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 no fucking way you look
2: right,
1: cunt. This is an extra Cast Extra.
2: Hello and welcome to another Cast Extra. Well, an extra Cast Extra, as always, with James from Gunner Blog. James, uh...
1: It was so nearly a goodly morning, wasn't it?
2: Oh, so close. Just eight minutes away from what would have been, I think, a good result, if not a great result. You know, a 1-0 against 10 men at home, playing against a team that have had 10 men for, for 80 minutes. I would have been happy. I'm not saying I wouldn't have been happy with that. What I am saying, though, is I think... That the potential was there for us to do more than take a 1-0 lead to the second leg in Madrid. Mm. As Mm. it turned out, we're not taking any lead whatsoever to the second leg in Madrid. Defensive frailty, calamitous defending, mistakes at the back. And a team that they weren't even trying to score. They were just kind of hanging on. There was a period like in the last 15 minutes where they were just getting rid of the ball. They were just loafing it upfield as far as they could to get it away. And we we gave them a goal. And it's like, oh, my God, what are you doing?
1: Uh, I was so gutted. I mean, we went from, you know, winning, being ahead in the tie to being behind in the tie just in the space of a few seconds because of the away goals rule and they looked like they were happy to take 1-0 but while I appreciate what you're saying we could have scored more goals particularly in the first half I was pretty happy to take 1-0 too oh yeah yeah yeah. the, the absolute priority at that point had to be just whatever you do do not concede a goal whatever you do uh and we managed to and you're right I think You know, I think Griezmann was probably about to come off. I think they were going to make a change. Torres was warming up. Um, I mean, it was just a clearance up the field. And I I was so gutted in that moment. I have to say, you know, we've been accustomed to seeing Arsenal kind of screw things up in various different ways over the last few years. But it's quite a long time since I felt quite as sucker punched as that.
2: Yeah. I feel worse this morning, actually, than I did last night. Last night was... A bit more, well, yeah, okay, that's what we do. I've seen us do that before. But in the cold light of day, when you look at the situation that we had, if you go into a European semi final and you're told you're going to play against 10 men for 80 minutes at home, the manager has also been sent off. Mm. You have got an amazing opportunity to take a really strong lead, an advantage into the second leg, and to. To finish the game 1-1 I think is is pretty much I, I'm not going to say it's unforgivable unforgivable but it's really bad. It's a really bad return from the situation that we found ourselves in last night. And look, I'm I'm I get the people who say it's not over. You know, it's still 1-1. There's a game to play in Madrid. Anything can happen. Sport is funny. The vagaries of football could produce any kind of an outcome over there. But I think Part of what's frustrated people about this Arsenal side recently is a lack of efficiency and a lack of ruthlessness, not being able to take advantage of situations we find ourselves in to put ourselves in a commanding position going into that second leg. And that's where I am with it this morning. Like I've got, I can't say I don't have hope for the second leg because I've got to believe I've got to hang on to that little bit of hope. But I'm absolutely like you, absolutely gutted at the goal we conceded and also the fact that we. We didn't make more of what we did last night against Atletico Madrid.
1: Yeah, me too. I mean, do you know what? A, I think it's a particularly strong feeling. I think partly because of all the emotion around the game i think that factors into it and i think you know everyone really was behind the team and desperate for them to do this and they had such a brilliant platform to do it in this first yeah. leg i mean as Arsene said himself the tie potentially could have been almost settled last night uh that might have been a bit wishful thinking but you know when you look at the xg when you look at the chances we created it was there to be done and you couldn't have asked for more really than for their manager and one of their defenders to be sent off inside the first 10 minutes. I mean, that is so unusual for a player to go for two bookings in the first 10 like that. Yeah, we had We had a fantastic opportunity. And I think the reason I feel particularly deflated is because I came into this game kind of divorced of some of my cynicism about the team, some of my suspicions about the team. I think, you know, I was so invested in the idea of can we do it for the manager, can we make this last great step on his behalf? That I think I really was in it purely as a fan without that sort of cynical edge. And I kind of forgot... (laughs) quite what we're capable of. Do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I mean, look, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole in particular, but I think this is part of why so many of us wanted things to change or have have wanted things to change for a while because this is what we can do and this is what we can do to ourselves. You know, it wasn't the Atletico uh, created a wonderful goal out of nothing. They spanked one in from 35 yards. They cut us apart with some scintillating football. This was a situation that we could and should have dealt with pretty easily. Uh, and and that you know is is it just makes it even more uh, hard to take. Um, yeah. I suppose
1: it's interesting to to wonder, you know, if the manager hadn't announced he was he was going, how how different might the reception of last night's result be? And, you know, what would the different targets of criticism be? Um, obviously, he has, so that kind of assuages that. But yeah, yeah. I mean. The goal itself, I mean, I'm sure we'll come on to it, but just of all the goals to concede, so, so frustrating.
2: Yeah, we'll come back to the goal, but let's start with the team selection. Any issues there for you? I wasn't at all surprised with the team we picked or with the formation. I think uh, I I called it completely right in yesterday's blog in terms of the uh, decisions he had to make, what he was going to do in midfield. I thought he'd bring Wilshire in. I thought it would be Welbeck, uh, Lacazette, Nozil, back four, and... um, yeah, I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't really see any issue with that, particularly when you look at the bench. Uh, we didn't have a lot there.
1: No, we didn't, and I, I guess that would become a factor later in the game. I, I on the day of the game, I sort of thought he's going to go back three, but I never really believed he would. Um, and yeah, he, you know, he did it his way. He picked a spinner. He picked the back four. I suppose he thinks, you know, I might as well go out playing playing the football I want to play and stick it to my principles. So he did that.
2: Yeah. So. I thought we started really brightly. We were very yeah. positive. We had a couple of good chances, didn't we? Uh, early in the, early in the game, inside the first ten minutes, Welbeck's cross to Lacazette at the back post with his left foot. I don't think I've ever seen Danny Welbeck hit a ball like that with his left foot.
1: I'm not sure I've ever seen him hit it with his left foot. Full stop. Uh, yeah, it was. It could have been Mesut Ozil, couldn't it? A lovely clipped uh, cross from the left hand side. Did you have any issue with Lacazette? taking it on as early as he did. You know, could he have brought that down? He did seem to have a bit more space than I think he, he, he anticipated.
2: Maybe, maybe. But I think he's, as a finisher, your instincts have to kick in and you uh, you take the chance first time. I mean, he wasn't far away. It clipped the outside of the post. So yeah. we're talking about four or five inches. It wasn't so much the connection of the ball, but just the direction of the ball. So I didn't really have a, an issue. I thought he, he ought to have scored from there. The second chance was a header, a very good header and a very good save not the first one either uh, well it was the first one <laughs> it wasn't the yeah. last one from Jan Oblak um, so I mean it, it was there we were there we were up for it for the start We, I, I saw after the game where Danny Welbeck was talking on BT Sport and they were saying you know it's 1-1 obviously it's difficult to go there and score and he went well you know we know we can create chances against this team. And I was thinking, well, you know, you're playing against 10 men for 80 minutes, but in fairness, the first 10 minutes, we did create two very, very good chances. Yeah, we
1: did. And I suppose there is some encouragement to be taken from that. But I think that was, you know, you've got to bear in mind, there's a lot of factors playing into that. It was, you know, there was an unusually good atmosphere. It was our home ground. We played with the real tempo and intensity. Will we be able to replicate that out in Madrid? I, I mean, you know, you have to forgive me for not being too confident, but you're right. There, There is some hope to be drawn from that.
2: Then there was the uh, the sending off. Uh, I think the guy's name was Vasilico. Is that how you pronounce it? And
1: I have no, a very difficult one. Lots of consonants in there.
2: Yes, indeed. But the uh, I, I got to give credit to the referee here. Yeah, I thought throughout the night he wasn't. He didn't really buy any of the the cheap fouls or the ones where players looked for fouls. There are quite a number on the edge of their box where our players went down, and he quite happily waved play on. Um, well,
1: one just before their goal. Yeah, I think it we'll, was a correct decision.
2: Yeah, we'll, we'll come to that. Uh, the first one was a yellow card, no question. The second one was a yellow card, no question. And I saw people say, well, you know, should the referee not allow the game to continue in a more competitive way? But it's always annoyed me that like where a player... Uh, commits a terrible foul, and somehow gets away with it because it's early in the game. The referee mm. doesn't want to set a marker that early. Like, if if it's a yellow card offense, it's a yellow card offense, whether it's in the first 30 seconds or the last 30 seconds. So I think you got to give credit to the referee, A, for, for spotting both fouls, and B, for being brave enough to send a guy off in the first 10 minutes, because like you say, it's not something that happens very regularly.
1: No, and I also think maybe it was in his mind that, you know, if he lets this one go, Atletico are the sort of team who might take advantage of that. You know, I don't know how much you tailor your refereeing approach to any specific opponent, but when he booked that first challenge, it did feel a little bit like he was sending a message. You know, this is my standard for the game. This is my bar for the game. If you go in like that, you're going to get booked quite what that guy was then doing. You know, on the second challenge when Mm. he was already on a yellow card is beyond me I mean it was crazy because that was I mean a worse foul than the first one I thought by some distance so yeah I thought he refed the game really really well as you say he didn't take any any nonsense Uh, also you know when our players went down Lacazette went down in the box didn't he it was not a penalty and he was correct on that count so I think he managed it in a very sort of even-handed way it's good to see a, a good referee out there
2: the period after the sending off is where I have not the goal, obviously, is where I have the most regret. But I think when you look back at the the game and how it was going to play out over the course of 80 minutes, they were absolutely rattled because it takes a bit out of you, doesn't it? When you realize you're down to 10 men, you've got 80 minutes of the game left to play. You're playing against 11 men. Uh, you're away from home. The crowd is up for it. The team you're playing look up hmm. for it. That period, I think, was where we could have taken greater advantage of our numerical superiority because as the game went on, they did get more organized, I thought. Defensively, they worked extremely hard. Uh, I know we created chances, but I think if you l- probably look at the, the stats, their central defenders made a lot of clearances and a lot of interceptions. I'm actually going to look those stats up when, when you're talking here. Um But there were chances. There were chances for us in that 15-20 minutes after they got, had the man sent off where we really should have scored Wilshire had a really tame header Welbeck had a, a shot where it was pretty much straight at the goalkeeper mm. Koscielny he hacked one wide he really should have scored Monreal had a shot which went not far wide you know it's, it's it was there for us to really turn the screw and that again comes into the ruthlessness that this team seems to lack that when you're, when you're on top of an opponent and you're really dominating them and I don't just mean in terms of uh, territory and uh, and possession like we did for most of the game when they are actually under the cosh a bit and they're feeling a little bit uh, under pressure that's when you've got to that's when you've got to make your mark and we couldn't do it
1: yeah and you know they suffered losing their manager in that time as well and i think inevitably that rattled them a bit however strong you are I think their defending in kind of one-on-one situations remained pretty good and their goalkeeper remained pretty good. But that was the period where they were vulnerable. And to be honest, the chances were coming and going and they were coming and going with such frequency that it wasn't necessarily that alarming because you felt like, well, you know, if we keep continuing chances like this, inevitably we'll take some. Where it became problematic was around the half hour mark where it became clear that they had begun to settle, that they'd found their shape, that they'd found that bit of solidity. And we suddenly were struggling to create chances with the same frequency. You don't really sustain that chance creation for ninety minutes very often. It's usually you have a potent period in which you have to capitalise. That's what Liverpool are very good at when they, you know, they, when they have that twenty minutes, they're very, very efficient going forward. And we weren't efficient enough yesterday in our twenty minutes, and we paid the price for it ultimately.
2: There was a warning sign, wasn't there, when. Uh, Griezmann had a couple of moments, a yeah. couple of chances. There was one where it was fairly easy uh, straight at uh, Ospina. And I think the second save that Ospina made is a good save. But again, it was it was straight enough at him. You would expect your goalkeeper to save that. But it came from careless play. We gave the ball away. I think it was Monreal who gave the ball away. Uh, Partey went running through. It broke for Griezmann. That, that was a moment where we really, really could have been punished.
1: Yeah, I mean the guy barreled through us at right back. He went through about five challenges. It was kind of incredible. Uh, I couldn't believe that he wasn't stopped. But he's a, obviously a big, powerful player. And when it came to Griezmann, fortunately, it was relatively close to Aspina. I have to say, actually, I thought, particularly in the first half, Spina did most things well, and his his footwork and his passing ability was quite an important part of us sustaining pressure. So. Yeah. I criticised him a lot, but I thought he had a pretty decent game.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. I agree. I thought his uh, distribution was was excellent. There were a couple of moments where I thought, uh-oh, uh-oh, he's held on to it a bit too long. But, uh, you know, he, he, he did well, I think, overall, and was a bit unlucky on the goal. Um, second half, I was beginning to think we needed to make a change because it was more of the same, wasn't it? It was territory. It was possession. It was sideways. We were trying to pull them apart. We couldn't find a way through the middle. Uh, the wall passes weren't quite w- working out. Uh, we were finding it difficult to, to make any clear-cut chances, I guess. We got a lot of crosses in. I thought Hector Bellerin's crossing was good all night. It was really, really improved. And I thought maybe Iwobi for Jack Wilshire might be the change that we should make because... Uh, Jack wasn't quite doing it And if you move Aaron Ramsey back in midfield a bit You're not putting yourself under any pressure Because they're playing with 10 men You've got them forced back And Uwobi is a player who can combine, I think, with with others He combines with Welbeck well He combines with Mesut Ozil quite well I thought maybe we should go that way Then Ramsey plays in Wilshire Wilshire dinks a little cross in And Lacazette gets up and scores a very good header
1: he does. I mean, I have some sympathy with the manager on the substitutions front. Just simply looking at the bench, and yeah, you know, there was a real dearth of quality there, wasn't there? I mean, there was no, there were no players who I fancy you would fancy as a, a game changer necessarily. Uh, I know we're kind of talking up the prospect of bringing on a but you know, his performance at the weekend wasn't great, so sure. I could understand why Aston was maybe a bit reluctant, I, I, particularly at one 0 I think he kind of felt. We have what we hold. Um, but I think if you were going to bring someone off, Jack was the guy. It, it struck me that in the last 20 minutes, he looked very leggy, actually. He wasn't really covering the ground, as you'd expect. He was kind of confined to just the centre of the pitch, really. Um but it was a good goal, and we owe a lot to Jack for that. I mean, he had a better game than I anticipated, and it was a, a very good cross and a brilliant leap and header from Lacazette. I think Eddie and Ketter would have been proud of that one.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's uh, that's who Lacazette has been learning off. What did you yeah. make of Lacazette? I thought he had a very good game. He was really well involved, took a lot of responsibility. I do feel like maybe, maybe he was just—is it one of those where you try and find the balance between? playing well and not making the most of your chances, because we talked about the one early in the game, um, which he was a bit unfortunate about. Obleck made a great save from his second chance. There was a header, wasn't there, from a corner, which flew just wide. Yeah. Maybe he should have done better there.
1: There was another one. I think it was blocked, maybe. A shot sort of where he was free in the corner of the penalty box. It was a really good position for him, actually. Mm. I really fancied him there. Uh, I thought his all-round game was really good. Um I agree with you and uh, probably my favourite moment was that bit where he took the ball on the right hand side of the penalty box flashed it across goal Yeah, unfortunately Welbeck hadn't really anticipated and couldn't get there but I thought he was very very good I think you're right he probably should have come away from this game with with two or three goals Um, so you have to kind of balance it but his, his link-up play was good, and against this calibre of opponent, he didn't look out of place. If anything, he seemed to rise to the challenge, which I think is a mark of a, a good player.
2: Yeah, so, okay, we, we don't get a second goal, and it didn't look like Atletico were going to get anything. Danny Welbeck takes the ball down the left-hand side. He did that thing that players do, which is to cut inside and make it look like he's been tripped. I don't think he was. I think the referee was right to play on.
1: Yeah, I mean, someone who was there last night tweeted me saying uh, he was definitely clipped. And I haven't seen a close enough replay to tell you. But what I would say is at that point, there are no Arsenal players within 30 yards of him. So I can see what Welbeck is thinking. Obviously, he didn't execute it very well because he lost the ball and didn't win a free kick. But I think from that point on is really where we're culpable.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Look, I've watched it again. There is no second replay. Uh, to show you whether or not he was really clipped. But I just, you know, having watched it, I'm just going to watch it here again. you know didn't could look as-
1: foul to me in real time. I had no issue with the referee. No, but he
2: didn't. no. The player hangs a leg out a bit. The Arsenal players weren't really uh, complaining. They put the ball forward. Oh, my God, I'm watching it here again. No, no, no fucking hell. Oh, it's so annoying watching that goal. Jesus Christ. Um, Koscielny has to deal with that. Well,
1: I, I agree. And I think he has to deal with it by any means necessary. I mean, there are things, there are things wrong with it. I mean, the line is not right. Mm. Montreal is deep, isn't he? Whereas Koscielny and Mustafi are higher. And that's what plays Griezmann on. Mustafi doesn't properly drop. He kind of assumes that Koscielny going to mop up and deal with the situation. Yeah. But I do think that is a relatively fair assumption because, the ball is there for Kashawney to head behind for a corner, to boot into touch, to do to knock it back to his goalie potentially. I know it's at an awkward height, but I think he's trying to sort of knock it over his own head. Back maybe. to Monreal, yeah. Yeah, and it just cannons off his face and rebounds straight to Griezmann. I mean, it's a, a calamitous decision. And, and to be honest, I mean, I saw someone say online, and it's hard to disagree, from that point, You've just got to bring him down. You've got to do anything, you you know, if you have to be sent off, you have to be sent off. You cannot concede a goal there. And that's what we did.
2: No, I mean, it it just required some industrial defending. It didn't need anything clever. Uh, A player of his experience really needs to, to do better there. You know, you would expect him to be able to defend that situation. He got ahead of Griezmann. He was there. Um, I'm not saying he was in full control of the ball, but he could have controlled where the ball went a lot better than he did. Um,
1: Even if he just runs it out for a corner, do you know what I mean? Like Anything, like just nod it behind or or, or boot it into the stand. I mean, what do you think? Why do you think that's happened? Do you think that has been born of a desire to chase the second goal and think, well, if I can hook this over my head to Monreal, suddenly Griezmann's caught up the field, we're back on the attack. Do you think that's what's going
2: through his mind? Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. What it is, I think, is uh, a lack of I'm not going to say real defensive instinct because, you know, Caselli's been a very good player for us, but he has had these high-profile mistakes in him along the way. There have been moments where his decision-making has been really suspect and you normally expect as a player gets older that your decision-making gets better. Your experience Mm. tells you the best way to deal with that situation Uh is to absolutely minimize any potential risk. It was essentially, it should have been a two-on-one. Mustafi was slow getting back, but, you know, he just has to get rid of it. He has to do whatever it takes to get the ball away from Griezmann. Griezmann is the only guy there. I don't think there's anybody within,
1: I don't know. There's no one in the half. There's no one else in the half.
2: Exactly. So, you know, we can get organized, put the ball out for a corner, put the ball out for a throw, whatever it is, just do not do anything that could put you in trouble and that's what he did and this is this is just part of the way this Arsenal team has down the years uh, self-destructed is capable of shooting itself in the foot and it's so the the cat just summed it up there I
1: know yeah really did (laughs) she really did um, I mean, I'm watching it again and we're talking about decision-making and of course that is a big factor, but is also they're not a, an athletic factor here. You know, five years ago, Koscielny, I think, would really fancy himself to win that race to be able to hold off Griezmann. I don't think physically he's quite in that condition anymore. Is that
2: fair? Maybe so. I mean, he's lost a little bit of the pace. There's no question about it. Uh, but, you know, physically, I think he should have been able to hold off Griezmann anyway. He was, you know, he was there. He was slightly ahead of him. Um, He could have used his strength to to muscle him out of the way. He could have done a lot of things. The one thing he shouldn't have done was exactly what he did. And that, you know, it it has absolutely taken the wind out of our sails in that sense, hasn't it? Because a clean sheet going to Madrid would have been fantastic. And as I said, I would have been happy with a 1-0 win. I think we could have gone to the second leg saying, look, we did well. We won the game. We kept a clean sheet. Any away goal over there now is going to be really valuable. Instead, you know, it, it puts us in a, a position where we've been before, where we kind of go, yeah, okay, it's bad, but at least we know what we have to do now. And uh, to me, it's a bit like clutching at straws. You know, you're desperately trying to find the positive from what is something that is only negative to me. You know, to to, to concede a goal... To 10 men who weren't attacking, who had no interest in anything but keeping us out. Uh, It's, it's, uh, well, let's put it like this. If
1: we do go out next week, uh, irrespective of what happens in Madrid, I'm certain it will be this, this match that we look back on with regret. Yeah. I just, you know, that's, that's, that's what, that's what is so difficult and so frustrating. And, 1-0 1-0 if you'd offered me 1-0 before the game I mean I, you know I was in the camp that maybe thought 0-0 nil, nil wasn't the worst result in the world 1-0 yeah. I think would have been fantastic and the absolute if you'd asked me one thing I would rather have kept a clean sheet than scored a goal genuinely uh, because of the weight of the away goals rule, it does make a huge difference and realistically now to win this tie we have to go to a team who I don't think have conceded a goal at home this calendar year I don't think we've got a point away from home this calendar year <laughs> and we and we've got to score twice, really, to win the tie
2: in normal time. So, well, no, we've got to score once. That's it. We just have to score once. Well, but that's It's true. whether or not it's, it's whether or not we can keep them out. That's the yeah. thing. You <laughs> yeah, know, sorry. And, and, and I've written that off clearly in my yeah, mind. Clearly, that is the thing. I've seen a number of people. I think uh, Elliot uh, Yankee Gunner did that last night as well. He went, oh God, we've got to score twice not because of a misunderstanding but just because you kind of think oh my god it feels like it feels like that's the way it is doesn't it because you're just not convinced we can keep a clean sheet
1: well that's it yeah i mean if they can score when they're not trying to score i really worry about what might happen if they tried to score but yeah
2: i mean how do you think it sets up the second leg because they're a team that can defend they really can defend and I wonder, you know, last night they were pretty toothless, but it was in part. And I don't think we can ignore this. You know, if you want to talk about how well we played for, for sections of the game, that's fine. I get it. But I also think we have to recognize they played with 10 men and concentrated almost solely on defending uh, for, for 80 minutes. You know and and this is where this is where I have an issue as well where people say oh it was a really positive night well it would have been a positive night had we not done what we did but doing mm-hmm. what we did made it a negative night for me you know I'm not ignoring some of the good stuff that we did but I don't know that you can say we played well when you draw 1-1 against 10 men at home and you've got them on the ropes for 80 minutes. You've got them in the last 15 minutes where their legs are tired. You know, it takes a lot. It costs a lot to defend the way that they defended, to defend that deep, to stay that concentrated, to be that organized, you know, to to be as compact as they were. You know, it's, it's not easy it's not easy to do what they did and they should have been tired and it's uh, it's a shame we didn't have something on the bench that we could have brought on to to, to run them around a little bit. I still think he should have brought Iwobi on with, a, you know, 10 minutes to go. As soon as that goal went in, he should have brought Iwobi on just for is something it, different.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is amazing how weak our bench looks. I mean, we're not missing that many players, really. It's only kind of Mkhitaryan and how I, I suppose Aubameyang is the big one, right? Yeah. Because he's a player who was brought to fill the shoes of Alexis and now he's not available in this competition but yeah I there were positives on the night and I I don't want to completely ignore those you know it was good to see the stadium full it was good to see the fans up for the game it was good to see the way the players played with the intensity they showed, particularly in the first half at the end of the day Atletico what they did was was quintessentially Atletico wasn't it it was brilliant defending a smash and grab and what we did was quintessentially Arsenal. Not yeah. Efficient enough at either end of the pitch.
2: The thing is now is that they don't have to come out at all no. in the second leg. And the onus we, is on us to yeah, extent. exactly. The onus is on us. And with 11 men and perhaps a fit again, Diego Costa playing with uh, Antoine Griezmann, we are, we're, we're easy enough to break against, aren't we? We're a team that... Um, counter-attacking teams must go, oh, yes, yeah. I like a bit of this, you know? I, th- I think so.
1: I mean, I imagine that might be how it plays out. Arsenal will have to go there. <sighs> I mean, it's so difficult to know. I know Arsenal vengas after the game, well, at least we know what we have to do. Yeah, we, we, do, we, don't, we know we have to score, but, you know, does that mean that you go out and chase it from the first minute? I, I don't think you do, because you run the risk of just being pulled yeah. apart on the counter and and it's game over I think actually we'll have to be as we tried to be in this game patient and you know wait for our chance to come you don't want to go there and lose the tie in the first half so it, it's not going to be easy I mean it really is Atletico's to lose I think at this point given their strengths and given their home record they're, yeah. they're massively the favourites yeah day. for
2: sure 100% the favourites but maybe you know that might that might suit us I think we have some questions about how we think the uh the second leg is going to go. So we might do those in, in part two. Is there anything I mean, else that stands well,
1: out? Well, I suppose only that, you know, when we first talked about this tie, uh, I think I remember you saying that maybe you fancied beating them in a one-off game. That is essentially all we have to do. We have to beat Madrid, Atletico Madrid in a one-off game and we're in the final. Yeah. Uh It, it feels very daunting and it feels difficult, but... Why not? We've done it in finals before. I know it is a semi-final, but if, if we treat it as a one-off game and say, we've just got to win this game, I yeah. don't know, maybe it makes it a little bit more
2: manageable. Maybe so. Maybe so. And look, I think there are positives to take from it. You know, uh, the overall thing just feels uh, gut-punching to me this morning because of yeah, it does. because of what we could have achieved last night, because of what we could have done last night. You know, on many levels, it could have been a more emphatic win. Instead, it's a draw. It does make Atletico the real favourites. But if the players at least can take some positives from the fact they created chances in the opening 10 minutes, if we can be a bit more efficient with our finishing, if somehow we manage not to fucking fuck it up at the back for no good reason whatsoever, then, you know, you just don't know. I mean, it is it is uh, it is going to be challenging. It's going to be really difficult. I don't think there's any doubt Atletico are going to be favourites. But 1-1, it's not over. Sport and football are strange beasts. Things happen that you do not expect to happen. For example, Atletico scoring last night, as much as as much as much people went, oh my God, I could see that coming. You didn't, you know, nobody really. A goal can come out of nowhere. A result can come out of nowhere. And that's what we've got to hang on to. But it's just the sense of a missed opportunity. And that's uh, that's hard to get over this morning.
1: I think what it is about this team is that they have to be efficient on the attacking front because yeah. they will make mistakes defensively. And, you know, we, we would have loved to see them hold out last night and for it to be one nil to the Arsenal, but this is not a one nil to the Arsenal team. Uh, and I, I don't think with the personnel, with the coaching that's in place now, it, it ever will be. So we've got to go to Madrid and, score a couple of goals or just a goal as just you say but goal. I think it will have to be a couple of goals because <laughs> it, we ship goals
2: yeah it probably will be because we are going to concede but you know something like a 2-2 draw would see us through sure it, it is it is all incumbent on our attacking options and how we how we can uh, how we can play uh, in Madrid against a very good defense? I did look up those stats, by the way. Uh, I think uh, Godan made or Godin made uh, nine clearances. Jimenez seven clearances. Uh, two block shots for Jimenez, uh, three for Godin. Um, you know the two center halves were were very very good. Uh, And I think they'll be very good again uh, next week. So that's uh, that's something we're going to have to contend with. But look, we'll take a break. We're going to come back with your questions and more in part two right after this.
0: Imagine if you could shop the shelves of all your local liquor stores at the same time. Well, spoiler alert, you can with Drizzly, the number one alcohol delivery app. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits. Then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code SAVE5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's d r i z l y.com. This holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Candy.
2: Welcome back to the ArsCast Extra. Welcome, sorry. Welcome back to the Extra ArsCast Extra. Yes. Yes. This is the part of the show where we answer the questions you send to us on Twitter, at Gunnarblog and at ArseBlog and also on the ArseBlog Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the ArseBlog. First question, uh, James, comes from Dara O'Brien. Uh, and he says, uh, why did we expect anything different? Good question. (laughs) Well, the thing is, I'm not
1: sure I did going into the game, particularly. I'm not sure I did expect anything different. I think it was just the circumstances within the match that kind of transformed it for me. You know, when, when they went down to 10 men, I suddenly thought uh, I wouldn't ordinarily fancy this, but now we've got an opportunity, but yeah, I should have, I should have seen the sucker punch coming foolish of me. Mm. I think I've been a bit swept away in, in the emotion of things recently. And, I sort of have been a bit guilty of thinking that because Arsene Wenger's going, our team can defend, but it doesn't. It doesn't quite work like that.
2: Yeah. Sadly. Well, just just sort of leading on to that, because why did we expect anything dif- different? I don't know. Maybe it's the occasion, the sense of sentimentality, or or what have you. But of course, um, goodwill and good sentiment does not make players who make mistakes on a regular basis, stop making those mistakes, mm. uh, at which Hassan, who's at hm HMTray112 on Twitter, says, where do we stand on the centre-halves? Can these mistakes really be eradicated through a more solid system, or is this a personnel problem now? I, I mean, can it be both?
1: Can it be both? I mean, I, I do have concerns individually about both of those centre-halves that we saw last night. But I do think there are kind of structural and tactical issues underpinning those um, that leaves them isolated and leave some of their individual flaws exposed. I mean, Mustafi, we've talked about plenty in recent weeks. But Koscielny, I mean, I think Koscielny is a growing concern. Um, I think physically he's just not the player he was, obviously, who is the player they were 10 years ago, but... I do wonder if we, we just don't have that physical dominance at the heart of our defense anymore. You know, that we, we used to have so much of, we just don't have that anymore. I just don't necessarily back our defenders to win the duels. And when you don't have the structure, when you don't have the tactical side of the, of the game underpinning everything, it's all about winning those duels. You, know, mm-hmm. you, you can bear yourself out, but when you're not winning the duels and there's no structure there, big problems. So, yeah, I'm not sure we have the right defenders uh, for this team
2: at the moment. What about you? I, I I think it's hard to look beyond the structure. It's hard to look beyond a team which is not set up to defend particularly well. Midfield doesn't really offer the centre of our defence as much protection as it should, which isn't to say midfield was at fault for... Um, for the goal last night. But I I look at us and I've looked at us this season and I see how easily we are undone as a team, how easy it is to expose us Mm. as a team. And I think unless you're absolutely perfect as a defender, um, we made this point the other week, didn't we, about Mustafi, that when he plays well, it's generally because he makes a lot of eye-catching tackles. A lot of last-ditch defending, a lot of uh, blocks and and interceptions and those kind of things, which look spectacular. But what they mean is that you're being exposed and you're leaving your last line of defense beyond the goalkeeper exposed and open to um, being exploited. And unless you're flawless, flawless as a defender, you're going to get found out in that system. So it is a little from column A and a little from column B. That doesn't mean that uh, we should have conceded the goal we conceded last night. I think that's a mistake by Koscielny. I think a number of the goals we've conceded, particularly over the last few weeks, you could put down far more to individual errors than you can do to um, than to a, a formation or system or anything like that. I do feel, however, though, that if you minimize... The amount of times your defenders are uh, exposed, you also minimise the potential for them to make costly mistakes, you know?
1: Maybe. Yeah. I, I, something I think about a lot at the moment is the fact that I feel like we say of all our centre-halves, well, they're better in a back three. And is that just a sign of them being a little bit inadequate, really, and and needing that degree of support around them in order to look yeah. Possible. Yeah, maybe uh, so. Maybe so. Uh, I mean, this question is very specifically on Kashani from MJR Lintot, who's at Moigel underscore. Uh, and they asked, not solely based on last night, but do you think Koscielny has another year at Arsenal in him or should he do a sucker? I think
2: uh, it's hard to know because I don't know how much we we understand the full extent of the problem he's been nursing for at least two years now maybe a bit more when you have an ongoing problem like he has and it's a chronic achilles issue that requires daily treatment he's going to yoga and all that kind of stuff i think perhaps we underestimate the the debilitating nature of that and what it can do to you especially when we talk about how fine margins can be the difference between a successful duel and a non-successful one, right? So that little half a yard of pace, that decisiveness that you need, that little bit of strength, you know you're going to get there, the confidence that you have in your own body to be able to do what you're supposed to do. If you're constantly doubting yourself or if you're in a little bit of pain, if you're always worrying about pain in your ankle or pain in your hamstring or something, it's got to be something that has an effect on on your performance. So it really depends on that. What I would say is that I do think that Koscielny is going to be 33 in... September, yeah. I'm not saying that's over the hill, and for a central defender, it's definitely not over the hill because you can go on a little bit uh, longer with your experience, your positioning, your reading of the game. But I'm not sure that's always been his particular strength. Mm. His strength has been his recovery pace, his ability to make tackles, to make blocks, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And you know, I go back to last season the end of last season where perhaps we saw the first signs that he was slowing down or his, his body wasn't letting him do the things that he wanted to do. The last game of the season he gets sent off after 20 minutes. All it was was a, a, a missed time tackle, but it was missed by half a second. It was a foul. he got a red card. he missed the FA Cup final. You know, those those are signs that I think he is slowing down. It doesn't mean he can't still do a job for us. I would w- worry about his ability to be a, a first-team regular. I think mm. he could be a squad player for us next season, but we can't, as it stands, play him three games a week because he's not capable of it physically. And... um yeah, I would worry that he, he is now on, on the downward slope. I wouldn't write him off completely because, uh, you know, he's he's got enough experience to be um, uh, useful. But I, I just think it's, uh, it's time for us to invest at centre-half. That's for sure. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I agree
1: with you that Koscielny's never really been a guy who'd be like, well, he's got remarkable positional sense or remarkable tactical understanding. At his very best, he was an outstanding one-on-one defender. So quick. I can't remember seeing many centre-halves as quick as him in his prime. And people talk about strikers losing half a yard of pace and they talk about it as the end of the world. And, you know, well, you just get rid of them. You just scarve them. When they get to 30, forget it. You know, if Aubameyang's 31, we'll have to flog him to China or something like that. But people don't tend to apply the same... Logic to defenders, and there's an an expectation, and and justifiably so to an extent, that as you age as a defender, you grow in other aspects. But his strongest suit, really, was that athleticism, and he he has lost a a good degree of that now. So Mm. I think it is fair to say he is just not the player he was, and he's almost being asked to play a role with Mustafi as the more mobile, athletic guy. He's been asked to play a role as a leader, as an organiser, which isn't necessarily his strong suit. So I, I agree with you. I think I would keep Koscielny in the squad. I think once the World Cup, you know, goes by this summer, I think he'll probably call time on his his international career. And I think his first team career, and by that I mean someone who plays every single game every week, probably will be over with Arsenal this summer. Hopefully, if we have the money and, and the will and we, we get the signings that we need.
2: Mm. A um, couple of people are, are are looking at this from a much more positive point of view than I am anyway. Fabulously right. Nebulous, who's at Kickrun Explorer, says, I think the result last night was better than 1-0. Arsenal is not the sort of team which can defend a one-goal lead and keep a clean sheet away from home. At least this result will make us play to our strength, and that is to attack. What are your thoughts on that? Mm. Um, boom, boom, boom. And then we have, uh, where's the other one here? Uh, Josh Benson who's at Josh Benson 1310 in a weird way does the result take off some pressure and give us more of a clear idea of what's needed in the away leg Uh, that is to score rather than try and hold a 1-0 and uh, Marky Mark at Marcus underscore Mangan says yesterday was a missed opportunity but the tie is not over what were the most encouraging signs that you would take into the next game and is it is there anything that you would change ahead of the next game.
1: That's an interesting question about, you know, what are the encouraging signs and what might you change? I I understand what people are saying. I suppose I just can't quite believe that, you know... (sighs) What, what can I say? one nil, one nil better is... better to win, win than to draw. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> one, one, one nil is much better than 1-1. One, one. I'm sorry, however way you want to um, deal with that. one nil is far better than 1-1. One, one. I'm sorry. It,
1: particularly with the away goals rule being what yeah. it is. Uh, so, you know, I, I maintain my disappointment about that. In terms of what I found encouraging, look, I liked the physical intensity that Arsenal showed for long periods of the game, actually. And I know it, it's tiring to defend for 80 minutes as Atletico did 90 minutes really but it is also tiring to make the play force the play and I thought Arsenal did that relatively well I thought they were patient in possession I thought they created a decent amount of chances you know their problem as discussed was was taking them mm. um, so I, I think there's encouragement to be found there I thought players like Mesut Ozil whose you know physical intensity is sometimes questioned I thought he put in a very good shift I thought Jack Wilshere was better than I anticipated Hector Bellerin really stepped up I thought he looked excellent as a right wing back I thought uh, right back sorry his crossing as you mentioned earlier was brilliant but I just thought the support he led the attack was brilliant Lacazette so uh, Ospina but there were there, there were lots of positives in terms of what I would change
2: uh just trying to think there's no real obvious change I would make. Is there not, though? Would I mean, if Henrik Mikatarian is fit, would you not play no. Henrik Mikatarian?
1: If he's fit, I certainly would play him.
2: Who yeah. would you play him in place
1: of? That is the question. Um, because uh, you know, so the obvious name maybe in my mind is is Jack Wilshere. Yeah. Um, but if you do that, you're putting Mesut Özil in the centre of your midfield, you lose maybe that slight tightness of a three, which could be helpful. We got a
2: score though.
1: We've got a score. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I think it would be probably, I think, you know, personnel wise, if you're looking for quality, I think Mkhitaryan for, uh, for Wilshire is maybe the change. Mm. But I wonder if Mkhitaryan might have to get some minutes at the weekend for, for Arsenal to consider throwing him straight in from the start. Maybe,
2: a, maybe I don't, I don't know. I don't know either. I, you know, it depends how fit he is. Whether you could risk him at uh, at Old Trafford on on Sunday, um, you know. I think one of the other positives for me was was Granit Xhaka. I, I yeah. think over the last couple of months he's been quietly impressive, um, and I know he set the bar pretty low this season with the way he started, but. Uh, he has grown into this season quite well, and uh, again, I thought he, he he showed real control, moved the ball quickly. Um, again, that it comes down to just having somebody else who could perhaps find uh, the incisiveness that we needed uh, to, to find the final pass. But I think Xhaka did a really good job of of moving the ball. Um, what else was I going to say there? I was going he to say did, something. And
1: he, you know, he was a little bit more versatile with his passing. I saw him make a few passes with his right foot. Couldn't
2: believe, believe it. Yeah, there was one beautiful floated one out to the right wing, I think, where Mesut Ozil was was yeah. stationed for, for quite a while. So, you know, I think if we are going to take positives from it, it is that we do have attacking potential. We have got goals in us. I mean, I think uh, uh, the Aaron Ramsey almost won the game for us near the end with a brilliant header. Oh yeah! Uh, but I mean, what an amazing save that was from from Jan Oblak. So it's I've,
1: it's I've, a brilliant sorry. save because it's not just that he gets there. I think a few goalies would get there, but it's the the strength that to mm. to actually get it around the post, you know, from that position.
2: Yes. Fingertips like, I don't know what. Um, Yeah, brilliant. Really brilliant. So I think that's where the positive is. The positive is that we can score goals. The positive is that we do have attacking potential. With Mkhitaryan back, I think we 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 have another option. We've got a little bit more craft and a bit more guile and experience in the final third if we need it. Even if he's just on the bench and he's somebody we bring on with half an hour to go because we need something from the game, it would be great to have him out in Madrid. Well, uh, even that,
1: you know, we talked about not really having game changers on the bench. You know, having him back would mean that we probably would have one, even if it's not him, if it's Wilshire, Someone who you would maybe trust to produce something maybe in that last 20 minutes if we need it that would make a big difference
2: yeah yeah all right well uh, whose question is it my question or your question no it's your question because i just asked that one
1: uh this is uh, an interesting one this is from lulu i don't think it's the lulu it's at lulu mr on twitter and lulu says in response to simeone's comments on great defending versus fun football what style of football would you like to see post Arson? Boring Atletico or fun football? Even if it means a defender kicks the ball into his own face occasionally.
2: Oh, God Almighty! Uh, you know it doesn't have to be that binary, does it? That's the thing. You know you can the, yeah, exactly you, you can I combine. Say. I think this is what, this is why people are interested in bringing in somebody like Allegri, who is a bit more defensively minded than Arsene Wenger. It's fair to say mm. uh, because it's I I like defending. I enjoy watching a team defend very well. I didn't enjoy Atletico Madrid doing it last night, but there have been times when I've watched Atletico Madrid in certain games and thought, fuck me, I'd love to see us do that because we, we used to be able to do it. You know, there's, there's, a, there's kind of this idea that just being defensive is somehow negative. And, you know, I, I get it from that point of view, but there's something to admire in a team that is organized, disciplined, can stay positionally aware, works together as a compact unit. If it's not a back four, it's, you know, back four in midfield. You know, you don't end you can't, I mean, Arsenal tried and tried and tried last night, but could not pull Atletico apart in any significant way to make space behind them, down the sides or anything else. There were a couple of overlaps where we could maybe have done a little bit more, but... You know, there's a lot to admire about that, and I like a team that knows how to defend, that isn't just trying to react because, oh, fuck, the ball's up this end. We want the ball up that end. Ah!" You know, I, Mm. I think we can combine the two things. We've got good attacking players. We don't have good enough defenders. We don't have good enough midfielders. Those are areas that we need to invest in, and we also need to bring in somebody who can combine the qualities of all of our areas who can make us not just an attacking team, but an attacking team that can defend or a defending team that can attack. I don't really care which, but I've, I've had enough of fun football and watching us concede goals like we conceded last night. I'm sorry. You know, it's great when we click and when we score uh, a clutch of goals, it's fantastic. But I, I just can't take any more of watching us concede. They're not even comedy goals because they're not fucking funny. You know that yeah. way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's it's not a one or the other for me. It's a little from this side and a little from this side. Put it almost together, like, and almost yeah. like
1: a balanced football team.
2: What are you talking about? What a ridiculous concept! <laughs> Yeah, I
1: agree wholeheartedly. Why should those things be completely mutually exclusive? Mm. The best teams are, are able to do both. And I think, you know, get you a manager who can do both. That's what, that's what you want.
2: Yeah, okay. Simon Marmara, who is at S. Marmara, says on Twitter, number one, he's got two mm. questions in one, sneaky Simon. Uh, he sneaky says, boy. after watching Oblack, uh, how critical is a new goalkeeper? Butland if Stoke go down? And number two, he says, seeing as we need to go all out in Madrid, how many under-23s should we play at Old Trafford this weekend, bar Aubameyang and Cech?
1: Mm. Well, uh, we we do need a new goalkeeper. It's, it's absolute certainty that we do. I think our is out of contract, isn't it? So... I'm not
2: sure. I think he might have one more year. Really? He's always got one more year than we he think. He signed, he signed a 92-year contract. <laughs>
1: right, yeah. It's odd. It was Bellerin who got an eight-year deal and then Ospina. It feels like he's always got a... Got a well, I think he signed
2: a five-year deal, five deal in... 2014. In 2014. So let me wow. just double-check here on tra- contract until 2019. Yeah, so he does have one more year.
1: Wow, so... That that three million transfer to Benfica that's been rumored for the past four years might actually happen. <laughs> um, I do think we need a goalkeeper, partly because oh, I think Ospina probably is going to look to move. It's felt like an inevitability. Uh, also because I think Czech, you know, isn't getting any younger. He, he also I, have, I think he also has one year one year left on his deal. As for Oblak, they, we had a few questions about him. I just don't think a club with Arsenal's resources can afford to pay 87 million pounds or whatever it is for a goalkeeper that's his release uh,
2: clause by the way maybe not what you would have to pay to get him but that's his release clause
1: well there's talk that PSG might be willing
2: to pay that isn't well there? yeah so you that. could see why based on last night he was absolutely sensational he was brilliant
1: yeah he was brilliant but it's worth remembering that Atletico signed up Black for 12 million quid so from where th- uh, Portuguese football I think I think it was Benfica right but you know that's that's what Arsenal, I think, need to do. Given the the budgetary restraints that are seemingly in place, mm. you know, it was Benfica, yeah. Um, you know, but given those restraints, I just don't think we can blow that much of the budget on a on a goalkeeper. I think we need to be astute and we need to trust uh, Sven's rolodex and you know hope that he's got someone in there who who maybe could be the next Oblak rather than rather than uh, spending all the money on one guy. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I agree with you about what we, we're we not going to spend big money on a goalkeeper, but what we could do is identify a young up-and-coming goalkeeper who's got the potential to to develop into a top class goalkeeper. That's the reality of the situation we're in. It seems that's certainly the reality of our financial situation when we've got to invest quite a lot in, in the squad this summer where we don't just need one or two players. I think we need three or four, maybe five players. Certainly any new manager that's going to come in is going to want to bring in a number of So that's the the road we're going to have to go down. We're going to have to find somebody young, up and coming, with potential. The thing as well that gives me a little bit more hope about this or about doing that is that whatever happens or whoever we bring in, we are going to have a new goalkeeping coach next season because the coaching staff that are tied to Arsene Wenger will probably go. I think almost definitely go. Certainly Jerry Payton will go because he was a guy who was almost retired because of, uh, I think he's he's got some injuries or back problems and was thinking about retiring. Uh, so we'll have a new goalkeeping coach so that whatever keeper we buy is not going to be molded into the ones that we've seen down the years at Arsenal who all seem to have these kind of similar-ish uh, faults to their game or the ability to make similar kind of mistakes. A lot of it I think, not a lot of it, but I you could you look at um some of the goalkeeping training. Do you ever see watch some of the stuff Tony Roberts puts up?
1: He's, no, I haven't actually.
2: Uh he he's a former Arsenal goalkeeping coach yeah. who who left, uh, went to Swansea with Lukasz Fabianski. Yeah, to Fabianski. He posts some really great videos. Uh, the training sessions are are very inventive, um, and I think that's where we need to go with our goalkeeper and goalkeeping coach. We need to we need to get beyond somebody who was, uh, you know, a mid level goalkeeper in the seventies and eighties. That's who's coaching our goalkeepers. We need something more modern, more fresh more exciting, more inventive, more innovative. And uh, hopefully that that's what we see. So um,
1: and, I don't... Fabianski's improvement, I think, speaks for itself. And <clears throat> to be honest, I think that relationship between goalkeeper and goalkeeping coach is an unusually close one yeah. in football, right? Because, you know, a lot of the time the managers aren't goalkeepers, don't have that experience dealing with goalkeepers. It, it's almost a one-to-one thing it's like a, a mentor and it's a very very close relationship but that's why that's why it is important that Arsenal get yeah. that right it, also the type of goalkeeper we'll be after will really depend on the the manager that we get I mean Butland was the the name thrown in by the question to be honest I quite like Butland I think he's really promising yeah but, but I how think
2: much how much are you going to pay for Butland well, that's it
1: that's it like I, I've read in the press in the last couple of months Talking about Liverpool being in for him for forty million pounds.
2: Yeah, well he's a he's a highly ranked English goalkeeper, and just by that very virtue, he is going to be more expensive than than a, a continental goalkeeper yeah. or somebody a bit lower down the pecking order in a in a league we don't really watch too much of. So, um,
1: looked at what Jordan Pickford costs, for example. Yeah. Last
2: yeah. Um,
1: so yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, you do wonder if Ospina might have a, a f- surprise future if you know we bring in a, I don't know, a coach from Spain or something who favours that kind of someone who can play the ball out with his feet. I don't know. We'll we'll have to wait and see. But I think a goalkeeper will be really high on on Sven's agenda this summer.
2: Yeah, I hope it is. I hope it's on the club's agenda too. Uh, the second what about part. The, the United game. Yeah. yeah. What do you think? Um, it, it's it's difficult, isn't it? Because. You don't want to go to Old Trafford and get an absolute pounding, but you can't risk key men for 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 the uh, return leg. You just mm. can't. I think we've got to we've got to bite the bullet, however embarrassing or humiliating it might be. If we get a if we get a drubbing, the priority has got to be next week's game in Madrid, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it does. <laughs> what, what sort of a te- Let's let's just go through. What sort of a team could we pick? Um, if we're trying to leave out as many people as we can from, uh, I mean, we could do check Maitland Niles. Uh,
1: Kalasinac can play left back.
2: Chambers and Holding.
1: Yeah, potentially. You could go. If you wanted to rest Bellerin, you could go, which he never does. But you could play Maitland Niles, maybe at right back.
2: What do we do in midfield, though? How do we? What do we? How do we put out a central midfield against? Maybe he'll count on Xhaka because Xhaka is a player who can play. It tends to be Xhaka. Xhaka
1: and Mustafi, doesn't it? Who play? All yeah. Also respective. Um, but yeah, I mean, Iwobi will play, I would think. Uh, we are not awash with options, though, with an old Nenny out.
2: No, Aubameyang will obviously play up front. I
1: wonder if Lacazette will play.
2: Yeah, or he might, you know, he might give somebody like Reese Nelson a game in the final third because because we are so restricted, we are so short of options.
1: Yeah, and, and potentially Mesut Ozil. I mean, only because he missed the last couple of Premier League games. Mm. Uh, He might have a bit more in his legs. I mean, I think the players who definitely won't play, Koscielny, Ramsey. Ramsey. I also think he's likely to wrap Danny Welbeck up, just given his injury history and that we will need him in Madrid. Mm. Um, I don't think he will play. But you can't in midfield. I mean, I, I don't think he necessarily...
2: Well, he could play Wilshire because Wilshire is a potential candidate to not play in Madrid. True. And he has been out. It's whether or not he's f- physically capable of it. So
1: yeah, I am not desperate for us to go in with a, a kind of midfield three of Maitland-Niles, you know, Nelson and Willock or something. I I do think we need some seniority out there just to I I don't even I don't even really care about the result. I just don't want it to be a humiliation, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I don't think it's a game we're going to win and it doesn't make any real difference if we do. But what we've got to make sure is that we're we're as ready as possible for Thursday for what's going to be a very difficult job. Very, um, very difficult.
1: Here's a little uh, kind of uh, cheerful question potentially on the end of uh, this podcast. Yeah. This comes from Anik Penno Udo, who's at Bishop Speck. And Anik Peno says, I know the game yesterday will dominate the discussion on the pod today, and rightly so. But how does it feel seeing Santi out on the field running again? He may never be the same Santi, but surely there has to be some glimmer of hope.
2: Uh, yeah, well, I uh, was going to finish with exactly the same question from Gunnar Paul, who's at Gunnar Pohl, who says, How happy were you to see Santi Cazorla? I'm not going to lie, I had tears in my eyes when I saw a video of him at the Emirates yesterday. Uh, it was a surprise to see him, and I'm very glad to see him out there because... He's such a great player and such a likable guy, and to have had now at this point almost two years of his career, at this stage of his career as well, at his age, you know, from thirty-one to thirty-three, um, taken away from him because of injury and the complications of that injury has been devastating for him and for us. I think because we've we've missed him as a player. He's such a fantastic player. I'm not saying Cazorla is the difference between everything being right and wrong at Arsenal, but I feel like we would be better positioned than we are right now if we'd had Santi Cazorla available to us.
1: Well, I mean, I think it was Tim Steele when he pointed out on Twitter, remember that remarkable uh, Alexis stat about the away games uh, that we had only won or something when he had scored. I think the timing of it worked out pretty well with that sort of when we lost Cazorla as well. Mm. So... I do think we have missed him uh, enormously. I, I have no idea what the future holds for Santi. I have no idea what sort of physical shape, you know, that Achilles is in. Yeah. Um, well, I've got some idea, not great. <laughs> uh, but what I would say is I hope whoever's in charge next season. I mean, when I think of the players that we've given somewhere to train, somewhere to base themselves for pre-season, you know, people like Flamini, people like Alex Song, I think surely what Arsenal should do is invite Santi to, to preseason training with Arsenal. And, you know, if he kicks on and he shows that he, he can still do it, great, maybe there is a contract for him. If not, we've at least done him that service and given him, you know, that opportunity to, to re- regain his fitness, irrespective of his contract ending, really. I, th- I hope that's what
2: happens. Yeah, I, I think I'd be well behind that i would be well behind that. You know, it's all on the new manager and what yeah. the new manager thinks of Santi Cazorla and whether Santi Cazorla fits into what he wants from the new uh from the way he wants to build this team or rebuild this team based on what he's uh, going to pick up at the end of the season, but I think as a club if we uh if we do give him that opportunity to train and uh, rehabilitate and make himself or get himself into the kind of condition where perhaps you could get a contract with a a team back home in Spain, then, you know, it would be, it feels to me like it would be the right thing for Arsenal to do. You know, you can't really make a case for giving him a new contract after two years out at the age he is and everything else. What would be lovely, though, is, um, you know, if he can, Arsene Wenger more or less ruled it out. He said he needs full preparation and preseason to try and come back. Will he come back and where I don't know will he stay at Arsenal I don't know but given the final game is against Burnley the final home game of the season is against Burnley it's going to be an emotional day anyway with Arsene Wenger's final home game I hope there's I hope there's room for acknowledgement of Sandy Cazorla and everything that he's given to the club since he arrived
1: yeah, I'd like to think that he'll he'll be there. I mean, he's back in the country now, and it's due to resume some sort of training, and surely, you know, he'll be part of the the lap of appreciation. And I'm sure, I'm sure he'll get his moment and hear his name sung by the fans again. Because, yeah, he was a, a fantastic, fantastic player for us, and has been really sorely missed. Mm.
2: All right, well, on that slightly more cheery note, we're going to leave it there. There's obviously Old Trafford on uh, Sunday. We'll we'll keep fingers crossed that it goes better than I think it's going to go. Um, Maybe Monday's
1: show will just be a a Europa League preview, should we say? (laughs) We won't pick over the bones of Sunday's.
2: i tell you what you do. We we each watch three films over the weekend and we can talk about whatever films uh, we we see. How about that? That'd be much better. Um, Thank you uh, as ever to everyone for listening. Uh, Look, we'll just play it by ear, see what we we can do next week in Madrid uh, I'm going over for that one so I hope we can have another famous night over there uh, like we did in the Bernabeu um, 12 years ago 12 years ago fuck me um, <laughs> seems not that long anyway we will catch you on Monday show until then have a great weekend bye-bye